Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's holy word. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the cafe. Welcome to the program. So good to have you here today. We are talking uh, today about wealth. We're talking about who provides wealth. We've been in a series here on wealth. And, you know, I've mentioned earlier, uh, wealth is kind of like a bad word in the fundamental church, isn't it? Because it, the idea has been corrupted by prosperity preachers to the point where the fundamental preacher can hardly bring it up because, hey, you talk about wealth and there are people going to start rolling their eyes or wonder if the plate's going to be passed around. We don't even, we just have a little mailbox and people can put it in if they have it. And and I don't want to take away the blessing that God gives for people giving, but I understand that people have dealt with situations there that are difficult sometimes. You know, what is it about a prosperity preacher? Where are they wrong? Are they wrong to say that God will give wealth? I don't think they're wrong to say God will provide wealth. Or are they wrong to say that faith, having faith is key to getting wealth from God? No, I mean, again, that's that's okay. Where they're wrong is the omission of preaching against sin. Where they're wrong is saying that you can live like you want to live and God will provide wealth. And that is totally against any kind of doctrine in the Bible. And we see that from prosperity preachers or even from modern church preachers that may not preach like a whole, hey, uh, you know, have faith and you're going to have a million dollars. They may preach more like this message is for you and you can do it and everything will be great for you if you just believe, you know, it's a similar message. But what the modern church preacher, not all modern churches, but many, uh, what the, what the and I, I'm just thinking of these like contemporary services, the guy in skinny jeans with, you know, boots and, and a shirt untucked. He's talking about how God's for you and he's not against you and everything's going to be great. And that's it. And just believe the big omission in all of these things is sin. And sin is something that is an aberration to God. It is awful to God's reproach to God. A holy God can't be around it. And sin has been with us since the beginning of time. And it was certainly with the Israelites as God was getting ready to give them wealth in the promised land. Deuteronomy 8.18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So the context of this verse, Deuteronomy 8, it's Right there, Deuteronomy 5, Moses gives the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 6, uh, many more commandments come up. The Lord is one God, loving the Lord with all your heart, might, and soul. And how you should teach his commandments to your children in the morning, throughout the day, in the evening. And the context, again, is that the Israelites are in the wilderness. They've been brought out of bondage in Egypt. They were literally slaves in Egypt. God, God himself, miraculously, through Moses, parts the Red Sea, amen, delivers them on dry ground, wipes out Pharaoh and the armies, 
God has just done this miraculous thing for them to deliver them from the bondage that they were in, just as when we believe in Christ and, and his shedding of blood for the remission of our sins, we are delivered from the bondage of sin and we are made sons and daughters of God. Amen. We are made children of God. Everyone's God's creation, but we're not all his children. Amen. We have to be born again. Amen. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. As you go in the promised land, as the Israelites are getting ready to go, God's saying, I'm the one that's going to give you wealth. Don't forget me. You need to fear me. You need to serve me. How interesting is it that where we see these great bastions of wealth, they're very wicked and ungodly. Is it not true? I mean, only God knows. You know, I guess God knows the heart and the bank account, but only God knows. And certainly there's exceptions. Joseph of Arimathea is an example. Amen. Nicodemus being another example of people that had wealth uh, that, that, that were of God or serving God in that regard, believing in God as I, as I believe, uh, at least uh, they believed in the Lord. Um, hey, this is not impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. But we also learn it's easier for a camel, camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to, to enter into heaven because they don't believe because money is their God. Money is what's solving their problems and so forth. And money is everything to them. I've heard a preacher say that money promises all the same things God promises. The difference is money is a dumb idol and God is a living God. And God here in Deuteronomy 8.18 is telling the Israelites, remember me. I'm the one that gives you power to get wealth. Now, does God change? He does not. And so what he said then is still applicable here today. If not, it wouldn't be in his word. I believe it is in his word so we can apply it to our lives, that we shouldn't forget him. We should fear him because if you forget him, you won't fear him. And if you don't fear him, you won't serve him. So we shouldn't forget him. We should fear him. We should serve God. We should keep his commands. Get rid of all the sin in our life. You know, God told the Israelites to cast out all the enemies, cast out all the mixed multitude, get them all out. We are to do that. We are to teach the next generations what God did for Israel, leading them out of bondage in Egypt. That's what he told them. We are to help through our testimonies, people understand what God has done for us. You know, sometimes I wonder why on earth I had to be so hard headed for so long, but it makes for a good testimony. It also makes for good preaching. It also makes for a good moment when I sit down with a young person and say, oh, you've done this. So have I, let me tell you, the wages of sin is death. And they said, well, you don't understand. Well, I understand pretty good. Amen. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I grew up, uh, in, in, in a pretty bad environment for a very long time. And I thank God that he saved me and I'm forever grateful. And the Lord has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And it's a good plan. He had a good plan for the Israelites. Even though they were the minority, he gave them victory over seven different people groups, as Deuteronomy 7 tells us. And he's telling them, look, as you go in here, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Remember what I did for you in Egypt, right? We need to look at yesterday to understand what God will do today and tomorrow. The Israelites would just keep his commandments and believe in fear in him. God would bless. There'd be no sickness, no barrenness, no hunger, no enemies to conquer or take them away. Isn't that God's ability to do? That if we would believe, that if we, if we, would, if we would take uh, um, his uh, chastening as a father that loves his son, amen, I love my son. And when mom says, CJ's talking back, it's time for me to talk to him because I love him and I want him to be a good citizen and a good respectful person and not to be entitled. So it's my job to deal with it. Amen. That's a good father. It's my job to be present and be around. 
to see what's going on in the lives of my children. Is God present? Is he not omnipresent? Is he not around? Does he not see? And so that discipline we receive from the Father, we should consider understanding that it is from one that loves us, that desires us. Look, if you're lost in this world, the best thing anyone could ever do from you is bring you for you is to bring you so low that you get saved. Amen. To break you in half so you get saved before it's eternally too late. That is the greatest love a, a, a heavenly father could give. Amen. And let's say you're far off from him. The best thing he could do is chasing you to get you back in line. Amen. You don't want to be given over to a reprobate mind. You don't want to be given over to the bondage of sin. You want to live for the Lord. Don't forget God when all this goodness comes upon you. Uh, that's what God was telling the Israelites here in Deuteronomy is don't forget him. Uh, because oftentimes in these rich areas, in these areas where people come into the land of great resource, uh, it's easy to forget God because it is such a sinful place. And it just seems like those things go hand in hand, sin and material wealth. And God will test and bring you low to build character. The Israelites were tested in the wilderness and, and many of them frankly failed. Amen. They, 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 they didn't believe God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And they kept desiring to go back to Egypt where God had just delivered them from. And many uh, saved or unsaved don't believe God's promises in his word and continue to s- turn to the sinful world. I think of when Lot left Canaan, and, or excuse me, when Lot left Sodom and he was told by the angels, don't turn around. And his wife turned around maybe to lament, maybe to, uh, maybe desired to go back. And she turned to a pillar of salt. That's the picture of what we do when we go back to the world. We go back to the ways of sin after God saves us. That must make him utterly frustrated and furious. The godly response to testing as we go through hard times is to repent, to seek understanding of how we've sinned against God and to turn from that sin. Amen. To, 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 to identify it and turn from it. And do we do that on our own? No, we pray. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, we're given discernment over the sin in our lives. And then we go to God and we say, Lord, please help me understand this. Okay, I understand it now, Lord. You put it on my heart. I am doing this. I'm coveting. Okay, I'm coveting. I need to stop. I, I realize when I covet, I'm desiring something that you do not want to give me. And I'm saying that I, my needs are greater than what you understand. And I'm saying that I should be in power and on and on. And I hate that. And I just want to be wanting nothing, as the Bible says, and not covet. And we, so we, we, we uh, repent for our sin. And we get right with God. And the Holy Spirit is not grieved. Amen. And the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you. And you're doing good. Amen. And you're trusting God, and he's the one that provides wealth. And that's how it works. Great humility, great obedience. God rewards your faithfulness in him. As I summarized in Deuteronomy 5, 8, what's the common theme? Believe so you don't drift and and, and you'll be rewarded for your obedience through faith. What stopped the Israelites from believing and stops many today from believing in God and having faithfulness in God? It's sin, is it not? It's sin. It's sin. It's the gossip and the murmuring. And yes, that's a sin. Amen. Again, the coveting, the desiring of things that God doesn't want you to have because God knows what's best for you, or maybe God wants you to have it later on or whatever it is. It's sin. It's the devil. What does the devil do? He'll distract and he'll rear pride up. You know, the Bible talks about uh, the devil being fallen out of heaven because he was proud. He desired to have that praise like God had. 
He wanted to be above God. And that pride still is in us today in this sinful flesh. We still deal with pride where we don't want to turn to God. And certainly there were Israelites there, that older generation that didn't want to turn to God in the wilderness. And so they died in the wilderness. Amen. They didn't believe. Unbelief is, is, is the worst sin in the world. So if we just would believe and be obedient, remember, God wasn't saying, you go in and fight everybody. Let's see what happens. God's saying, I'm going to deliver you to this place. I'm God. It's not too hard for me. I'm going to deliver you to it. Amen. Nothing is too hard for God. And the Israelites were, were essentially saying through their actions, we don't believe. If you believe the Bible is true and live the commands in it, what will happen in your life? Think about that. If you believe the Bible is true and you live the commands in it, what happens in your life? Well, your life won't be perfect, of course. We're still in this broken, fallen world. You won't be perfect, amen. We still all fall short. But if you believe the Bible is true and you live the commands in it, you will have so much more peace in your life. You'll have direction for your life. You'll have wealth in the sense that you'll know where true wisdom comes from, and it's only from fearing the Lord, amen. It's only in his word. You'll have understanding and discernment over what's happening in the world today, much more than you would if you didn't. And you will have God's ear. The Bible says God hears the prayers of the righteous. Wouldn't you like that? Amen. And because you have faith in God, you'll please God. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, what's the inverse? If we have faith, then we must be pleasing him. Amen. So you'll be pleasing God. You'll have wisdom. You'll have peace. Uh, You'll have his ear when you pray. There's so many other things. If you believe the Bible is true and live the commands in it, right? It's not that hard. The devil just wants you to not believe part of it. If the devil could just get you stuck up on uh, evolution or whatever else, then he'll get you unbelieving at all. But you stay true to believe in the Bible, believe in God's word, turn to God, and he will bless you. And that is true wealth. He will give you peace, surpassing all understanding. I thank you for listening. Tune in next time as we get more into this word. Take care. God bless. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119 verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee.